be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to contract a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, This one began to build, but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king, marching into battle, would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops. But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. In the course of my homilies over the years, I have often referred to Francis Thompson and his poem, The Hound of Heaven. Francis Thompson was a great intellect with a sad life. As many of you know, you know his history. He was an opium addict, struggled with it all of his adult life, slept under carts in the street, died young. He wrote many poems, actually, but The Hound of Heaven is his best known. As we know, he's a poem in which he's running from God, who is the hound, who's chasing him. All right. He's afraid. He's afraid of the love of God. He's afraid of the love that God wants from him. And he keeps saying that throughout the poem. At one point he says, For though I knew his love who followed, yet I was sore adread, lest having him I must have naught besides. In other words, if I have you, can I have nothing else? Can I love no one else except you? Or better put, unless I love you totally with all my love, I cannot really love anybody else. 
He's afraid, though, of what that love might mean, so he continues running for the, for the moment. Later on, he will say, uh, Is thy love indeed a weed, albeit an amaranthine weed, suffering no flowers except its own to mount? Now, amaranthine was a mythical flower that, whose blossoms never faded. He's saying that, will you, will you accept no other love? except the love that is yours, that I must give you, everything? Can I have anything else? The answer, once again, comes back, no. And finally, as he evaluates his life, he sees what he's made of it. Because in his case, it's so obvious. In many cases, it isn't so obvious because it's perhaps socially acceptable. In his case, it was certainly not, and he was ruining his life. He says at one point, such is what is to be. The pulp so bitter, how shall taste the rind? But, but God keeps giving him little glimpses of himself, glimpses of heaven. Keeps calling him, keeps hammering at him as he hammers at us, if we're willing to listen. And at one point he says, this is one of the most beautiful parts of the poem, I think, he says, I dimly guess what time in mists confounds. Yet ever and anon a trumpet sounds from the hid battlements of eternity. Though shaken mists a space unsettle, then round half-glimpsed turrets slowly wash again. So he sees something. But then he says, but not ere him who summons I have seen. In wound and glooming robes purpureal, cypress crowned. I know his name and what his trumpet saith. Whether man's heart or life it be which yields thee harvest, must thy harvest fields be dunged with rotten death. In other words, must I die completely to my own loves to love you if I'm going to yield a harvest and bear fruit and be able to love anybody else at all? the way they ought to be loved, not for their own sake, but for yours. Of course, the answer comes back yes, and at the end of the poem, he finally yields himself. Well, all right. Today's gospel is about that. Our Lord makes some dramatic statements. Remember, the Hebrew language had no superlatives, so they had to use exaggeration. It seems strange to us. Our Lord is so direct, he will often say things that sound strange, such as, if anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Well, obviously he's not telling us to hate anybody. He's telling us that unless we are willing to come to him completely and give ourselves to him completely, we cannot be his disciple. We cannot give ourselves to anybody else until we have first given ourselves totally to him. Only then can we love anybody else, which will teach us a lot about friendship and marriage and all, every, every human relationship. Um, and then he goes on to say something we've heard many times, but to us it sounds rather ordinary because we're accustomed to it. Um, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I've mentioned many times the idea of the cross, but it has no real shocking, shock value to us as it did in the ancient world. Remember, it was the most horrifying form of uh, execution punishment known. 
not only its pain, but its duration. It could go on for days. And people would curse those below them and spit on them. Even curse their parents, spit on their mothers. Utter blasphemy, so much so, the executioners would often cut out their tongues to keep them from uttering blasphemy. Remember, Cicero said that no Roman citizen should ever see a crucifixion. Which is why, of course, uh, St. Peter was crucified, but St. Paul was beheaded. He was a Roman citizen. And our Lord then tells us that we must carry our own cross and come after him. That's radical sacrifice, and that's radical discipleship, although we don't like the idea. And he insists upon it, though. And then he uses two examples, um, the man building a tower and the king marching into battle. They are both unprepared because they have not been willing to give everything. The one building the tower is unable to complete it. Uh, He can't afford it. And the king, with 10,000 troops, cannot resist another king coming against him with 20,000. He will have to sue for peace. And so the Lord concludes by saying, in the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple, cannot follow me. We hear that. Does it mean a dramatic change in our lives? Yes. And our status? Not necessarily. Our wealth? Not necessarily. Our profession? Not necessarily. And our families? Certainly not. But it means we have to begin to give ourselves totally to him to give value to those things, as Francis Thompson learned. All the things he thought were so wonderful only became wonderful because he was able to transform them once he gave himself completely to him. All things betray thee who betrayest me. He said that. He began to read, that's the voice of the hound. All things betray thee who betrayest me. Lo, all things fly thee, for thou flyest me. Not contents thee who contents not me, and so on. Well, we then have to come here to learn that, because we can only really, in the end, be able to love him totally through the power he himself gives us, which means, of course, the Eucharist. The cross he will show us. He will show us what total surrender to the Father means, and total surrender to himself as well. But it's only through the Eucharist that we are able to do it, to give ourselves totally to him. He will come totally to us, and then we will come totally to him. So um, we are called to incredible heroism. Um, We shouldn't be afraid of it. We are. We don't want to admit that, though, do we? That we're really afraid, as Francis Thompson was. He isn't alone. Most of the world is. And we are, too, of what that might mean if we ever did it. And finally, remember that prayer, I've mentioned it several times over the years, of St. Anselm. Over the past weeks, first we had Gospels about prayer, then Gospels about humility, the Gospels um, then last week about total giving, and today about totally emptying ourselves. Uh, and he did that, too 
But first he humbled himself before God, and only then could he try to give himself completely to him. It begins with humility. Remember what he said? He said, I'm frightened of living, Lord. Remember the prayer. My whole life seems sinful and sterile. Francis Thompson could have said the same thing. He may have probably read that poem and known it well. Any fruits I bear are either false or rotten. Nothing I do seems pleasing to you. I'm a barren tree that deserves to be chopped down, cut up, and burnt. I bear only the sharp and bitter thorns of sin. If only those thorns could prick me into repentance. Inside me my conscience burns. I dare not show myself, yet I have nowhere to hide. What will happen to me? Who will protect me from your wrath? Where can I find safety? Lord, you are my judge, in whose hands I tremble. Yet you are also the one who can save me. Though I fear you, I trust you. Though I want to flee you, I flee towards you. Jesus, Jesus, deal with me according to your love. Jesus, Jesus, forget the sin by which I have provoked you and see only the misery which invokes you. Jesus, Jesus, confirm in me all that belongs to you and cast away all that is alien to you. Let us pray, Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, her members will always respond totally to the call of God and to his will and to his love. We pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own and for our politicians, that they will be willing to accept the call of God to do his will in justice and in peace. We pray to the Lord. For those who are sick and suffering and dying, that in their suffering they may know that they are truly following the Lord in his. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have rejected faith and grace, we pray to the Lord. For our greater respect for human life and all its forms, especially in the womb, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who in a unique way will leave all things to follow him. For a greater reverence for the heroism of marriage in the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, having spent time in the presence of the Eucharistic Lord, then they may then heroically call others to follow. We pray to the Lord. For all those working on our building project, that they will remain safe. We pray to the Lord. For all those suffering from the hurricane, that they will be strengthened and supported. We pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, especially those who died in the hurricane, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. For all of us here, that our lives will be so transformed by what we have received, we will give ourselves totally to the Lord to give ourselves totally to others. 
we pray to the Lord. Lord, We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Church as we sing. Amen. 